0: All right, and we're live. What's up, guys? How we doing? Pretty good. So this is uh, this is going to be our first uh, live event. Um, we think this is a really cool format to uh, bring content to people, and uh, we're going to be saving this, uh, this this stream as an actual podcast. So um, if you're not necessarily watching it live, we'll have it have it archived. But uh, we think this is a great way to you know reach a lot of people you know at one time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if anybody on this uh, live feed, or even if you're watching this later on the uh, podcast, make sure to message us uh, on the first uh, First Equity Funding page and give us your contact information because we do intend to try to get out some some content from this this podcast. But also, as we are doing certain events, or you know, a lot of times we see certain deals off market, things like that. Just anything that can can help our investors. Out there, we will be providing that content. So please, uh, if you remember, just go to the uh, Facebook, uh, sorry, the First Equity Funding Facebook page, uh, message us with your email address, and we'll make sure to get you added to our list.
0: Yeah, go ahead, I
2: was gonna say, we plan on doing these pretty regularly. So if you also have any ideas or anything you want to hear from like a lending standpoint, um, any opinions we might have on the market or you know how things are going, I mean, also feel free to share some message on wait, think.
0: Yeah, or alternatively, just email info at FEFunding. That's another way to reach us. Um, but today's topic is is pretty important, I think. It's uh, pretty relevant to early 2019 when we're recording this, and that's uh, you know mm-hmm. how to kickstart your 2019 flips by by making them more profitable. And I think that's important just because you know over the last, I don't know, Christian, what would you say, last 18 months, it seems like the fix and flip market's been a little bit compressed
1: yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, I think the markets. Uh, I think opportunities are getting harder to find. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that there's definitely a lot of a lot of competition out there. Uh, and if you know, maybe homes aren't appreciating as fast as they have been in the past. You know, we just want to make sure that our investors are you know kind of kind of have their guard up and and are prepared. And you know, we want people still being able to find profitable deals in the in the new year. So you know, we just. Kind of collaborated here and, and try to come up with some topics and some things that we've seen you know over the past year or so you know some some different ways our investors are going about trying to find opportunities or maybe looking at deals a little bit differently than they have in the past so we just want to make sure we get this information out there to you and hopefully it's helpful and, and can help you to continue to grow your business
0: it's kind of funny because sometimes a newer investor won't realize that like an appreciating market is very forgiving right sure. you know when you're when your costs overrun okay. by 10 or 15 percent and things your timelines get extended you know the fact that a market's appreciating you know makes up for a lot of that and if that's not going to continue you really need to make sure you're underwriting your deals a little bit better and doing some of these tips that we're going to share to make sure you know yeah. your, your deals are on track yeah no
1: no no doubt about it yeah for sure
0: uh well corey start us off what uh so we, we came up with these five things um this is not any means, in a, a, an exclusive list, there's a lot of things you could do to, to make your flips better. But these are five that we came up with.
2: Yeah, the first one we're going to talk about is the deal size. Um, I don't know if you wanted to kind of jump into that one a little bit because we're talking a little bit about what we mean by deal size.
0: Well, I think I think a lot of people start with smaller deals just because that's where they're comfortable. And the idea of buying something for seventy thousand dollars and putting thirty thousand dollars into it, and then selling it for one hundred and sixty thousand dollars, you know, sounds very appealing. Just because it sounds like it's manageable, right? Sure. Yeah, and then obviously, you know, coming up with down payment on your first deal, you know, I think it's
2: logical, like you said, a risk component, um, you know, from a, from a you know having to bring your own
1: skin to the game, so to speak. Uh, definitely the smaller deals are, are usually a place to, to start, but, you know, as I'm sure you're going to kind of, you know, get into here, you know, what, what we see here at First Equity, a lot of our borrowers kind of leg into to bigger deals. And although it may be viewed as a little bit, you know, more risky because you, you're scared about the, the dollar size and, and might need a little bit more money out of pocket. Um, but those are the deals that if, if analyzed and, and looked at the right way can, can really allow for more profits.
2: And at the end of the day, I mean a project is a project and um, whether it's another zero or the digits are a little bit higher, I mean it's, it's going to be the same thing, same amount of work. You're you're just you're buying the property for a little bit more, just trying to focus on the numbers too much in terms of um, the, the price of the property and the price right, of the property. Right, don't project. get
0: intimidated by the fact that it's a little bit of a higher dollar right. amount because your underwriting is, is really the same.
2: Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, absolutely. And uh, yeah, and I mean, arguably, you know, you looking at, you know, taking your time, finding a bigger project that, you know, a, a cash on cash basis will, will give you a larger dollar amount return. You know, if you're out there scrambling between, say, you know, four or five smaller deals, managing those projects, keeping those timelines in check, keeping your contractors, you know, meeting their deadlines, it's it's not an easy thing to do. So sometimes I think arguably, as long as you're, you know, you buy it right and you know your numbers, um, you know, I think a bigger deal could, could make a lot more sense from you know a project management standpoint For sure. too. Um, and uh, you know the only thing I guess I would just say, and, and, and some people out there might be thinking about this, you know, there's a lot of talk about that top end of the market, your higher end prices about a little bit of market compression, or about you know, prices falling in that at higher price range. So you know, I don't want everybody to think that we're just, um, you know, th- that we're just telling you just to go for automatically a million dollar home. I mean, it's still really important that you that you absolutely know your your market. Um, and there's definitely some things um, as it pertains to each market that I think we can help our investors with. There's a there's a lot of a lot of data, a lot of analytics that we have access to that tell you a little bit more about that specific zip code that I think can help keep everybody on track and and make sure that they're not buying into a soft market. Anthony, maybe you want to comment on on some of the things that we can look at.
0: What you just said is really important. I mean, you could talk about the North Jersey market, the Central Jersey market. We go zip code by zip code. You know, so sometimes one side of the town versus another is, is two totally different animals. So if you're going to be doing larger projects, you really need to know your local neighborhood and you know, is that house an outlier? Is that, is that way more expensive than what the rest of the houses are selling for? Because you might get stuck in that case. So, so yeah, I think there's, a, there's definitely a sweet spot somewhere in the middle where you don't want to be – and listen, there's so much competition for houses that you can pick up for $90,000. You know, everybody's starting there. So if you can just get to the kind of the next level, you know, buy something for 200, 250, 300, and flip it for you know 350, 450, even 500. That's that's kind of what we're talking about. You know, the million dollar homes is is sort of a, a different animal altogether. And that's you know I would say probably wait till you're a little bit more experienced for that, or just you really need to understand your market. Sure. And
2: to touch on know your market, I mean. It- just do a quick Zillow search real, on Realtor.com. Are there properties sitting that are like your properties, you know, or is there a lot of house on the market that are going to be like the one you're flipping or is there a shortage of properties, you know, is there not really much inventory, you know, it yeah. that, will tell you, you know, kind of that market is stagnant or if it's actually moving.
1: Yeah, and and you know, for everybody out there, we can we can very much help uh, our investors in, in terms of analyzing a specific zip code. So that any time you're you know sizing up a deal or analyzing a deal, you know, please reach out to one of us at First Equity. And what we can do is, for every zip code, uh, we could give you you know several bits of of data that I think are helpful that kind of tell you a little bit about the strength of the market. And some of you may be doing this on your own, but we have access to you know basically we'll show you what what's the, the current home price appreciation for that zip code? What is the average days on market? And then also we'll show you what the median home price is in that zip code. So like as Anthony mentioned, you know something being an outlier. So you know, if the average house in a certain zip code sells at $250,000, know, one, one indicator we look at is something that maybe is, is at 200% of the median home price. So to give that example, if a house, the average home in a zip code sells for 250,000, and your house, your resale is 500,000 or more, that's a little bit of an outlier. It's unique for that zip code um, you know because most other homes are selling for a lot less. So you know, we've seen that those type of, of outliers may take a little bit longer, longer to sell because there's not as many people searching for those homes in, in that particular zip code. So again, all these things we can help you get your arms around, but really, really important um, in knowing you know home appreciation, days on market, things like that to kind of give you an idea of what you're going to be looking at when you go to sell these
0: uh, these properties. And that's not to say we won't do those larger properties, If it, even if it's, you know, sure. in your example, if it's selling for over 500, we'll do it. It's just that we're going to look much closer at it and make sure you're on the same page with us that, you know, this is definitely not something that you've seen typical in this market. So, you know, we'll try to understand uh, all the mechanics of that deal and make sure it's, it's something that's going to be profitable. And then one last point on, on, on deal size here, I think, um, you know, everybody talks about ROI and and what's your percentage return, but at some point you have to look at absolute dollars made. And if you're you're working on smaller properties, you know, and and you're underwriting your deal and you think you're going to make a 25% return and something goes wrong, and that turns into a 10% return, you might've just did nine months or 12 months worth of work for not that much money. Whereas if you're doing these larger properties, even if something goes wrong and your returns are less than you thought, the absolute dollars that you made on this deal is still sizable so it, it, you know if you're building contingencies into your plan and it is worst case scenario and say you don't make quite as much as you thought you're not going to be wasting your time working for $10,000 over a year yeah if you right. if you're working on these larger properties so yeah, no doubt. something to keep in mind um, anything else on that, or you want to keep it keep it moving? Just,
1: just one last thing. I mean, I, again, just to talk about the obstacle of um, you know, just just the the obstacle of maybe raising enough equity, like what, what might be prohibiting you from buying a bigger dollar amount property is you know the amount of down payment, you know, and that's where you might want to take a look about you know think about bringing on an equity partner. Uh, somebody could help infuse cash, you know, for your down payment. That's willing to be a part of this deal, and maybe you, you know there, there definitely are. As much as there's active investors out there, there's also a lot of passive investors. Maybe people who've been there, done that, or maybe that have a day job and don't really want to get you know their hands dirty on the day-to-day and just want to make a certain return on their money. Uh, and those people may be willing to provide you know certain capital for down payment, and maybe you have to give them an eight, ten percent return. Just kind of you know picking a number here, where they may be satisfied making that return, and then you get a little bit more of the upside on the overall profitability. Of, of the deal so so I would say you know don't be afraid to maybe partner up with somebody obviously crunch your numbers and and you got to work out a deal that makes sense for everyone but but that might be a way to help you get to that next level.
0: Yeah Corey we, we've both seen this. Um, I, I've had, a am working on a deal right now with a borrower who um, we've done half a dozen deals with and he partners with this contractor you know so he's more of the money guy and he underwrites the deals and the contractor obviously swings the hammer um, but that's, that's a great way to partner. Um, you know, and it, it seems to be working really well for him. And I think you have a few borrowers who have done the same thing. Yeah. I mean, any way you can, uh, uh,
2: leverage resources, you know, whether it be contractors or investors or whatever the case may be. I mean, it definitely, you know, that, that's something that I, I think is important, you know, yeah. in this business, um, for sure. I mean, then a day was sold saying 50% of something is better hundred percent of nothing. So if you have to partner with somebody to get a deal done, I mean, by, by all means.
0: Do it. All right. So we'll, uh, we'll move it along. Uh, our second point was uh, was talking about project type. Um, you know, everybody looks at fixing and flipping like a very vanilla thing, right? So you're gonna buy something for one price, you're gonna put a couple dollars into it, and then resell it. And that worked for the past, you know, five six years, and it still does work if you find the right deal. But it's it's getting harder and harder to come by those deals, is it not?
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're analyzing a deal and saying, you know, let's say a property is a three bedroom, two bath ranch, and the plan is to go in and do kitchen, you know, redo the bathrooms, new, you know, redo hardwood floors and and paint. That is the way every single investor is going to look at it. And then it becomes, you know, becomes hard because everyone's going to kind of be analyzing. deal the same way and i always say like on situations like that you know you you might almost be afraid if you're the the highest bidder what am i missing maybe maybe you missed something that that other people uh you know didn't so uh so yeah so what we kind of wanted to just mention is you know just again thinking outside the box and this isn't going to work for every property but understanding your market and understanding that maybe you might need to do a little bit more of an in-depth project in order to, to add value to, to the situation. Um, you know, if you don't mind I me mean, just to give a couple examples, you, you know, I, I personally have done, you know, over 50 of my own flips, um, and as the market gets a little bit harder in, in, in certain areas where they're sought after, uh, you know, zip codes, you, again, just give you a couple quick examples of how I've looked at deals differently, you know, I've done a, uh, done a fix and flip locally in, in Ocean County, and it was a Cape Cod style house, the uh the upstairs was really just attic space and we were able to just by adding you know a dormer on each side of the of the second story we were able to you know allow for enough space to then have it be more of a master suite and we added a full bathroom on that on that second level and it was really kind of dead space but that took a property that was you know a two-bedroom one bath to now a three-bedroom two bath with a master suite upstairs much more sellable much more much more sellable um that was, you know, and again, you, know, you have to understand, you know, now you're talking a little bit more, you know, maybe more permitting or, or more, you know, timelines. But if you could factor that in and really, again, look at something a little bit different, I think that's helpful. You know, another example is a project that we've done locally where, you know, the house, um, it was a three-bedroom, three uh, two-bath. Um, it was uh, like a colonial-style house. And on the second floor, you know, there was the three bedrooms upstairs and just one large hall bath. And we were able to cut the bath in half, uh, allow access from the master bedroom, basically create an additional bathroom. And what we did was then we had a, a master, you know, a master bath, and then a hall bath for the other two bedrooms. And you know, somebody who has you know three kids, myself, I mean, to have uh, to have two bathrooms on that same floor where all the bedrooms were, I mean, it added significant value. And anybody who wasn't looking at the resale the way we were, and they were just looking at it as a three-bedroom, two-bath instead of three-baths, there's no way that they were looking at the as-repair value that I was. So I was able to you know, pay up a little bit, so to speak, but it was still a really, really profitable deal deal for us.
0: And those are those are even on the more simple side in terms of just demising sure. walls and sure. things like yeah. that. And then we have more extreme examples of, uh, of borrowers who are actually doing what they call pop-a-top or... They're taking these K-Pod style homes and turning them into colonials where they're actually you know, really raising the roof, in this, essentially, and, uh, and adding square footage or, or, or expanding the footprint of the property, um, all these sorts of things. Now, you, you did bring up a good point. That's gonna, you're going to run into issues with you know, getting permits, and that's going to lengthen your timeline. But that could have significant impact on your after-repaired value. And sometimes when deals don't work, as they are, you just gotta, I think what it comes down to is what we're saying is be more creative. Try to see something that not everybody else is seeing, and that, that could be the opportunity. And also, I would say just be in line with with your market. Um, you know, if, if all the houses in your market have central air,
2: forced hot air, central AC, and your property doesn't, well, it may be worth the investment in putting fifteen thousand dollars HVAC system, in if it's going to get you thirty, forty thousand dollars in value. So um, and, and the just opposite know of that market, you know, the opposite
0: of that's true too, right? You don't want to over improve your property, or or like we said, make your make your house into something that's going to be twice the median home price. Um, so don't just think, oh, you know, I'll, I'll buy this ranch fix and flip, and I'll. I'll you know, expand the square footage to a point where it's an outlier in the neighborhood. So everything's got to kind of, you know, fit into where it is.
2: Right. You find that balance. And I think you'd agree in uh, the fixed flip world, you don't want to be the unique guy on the block. Yeah, absolutely. You don't want I mean, to be the most
1: expensive house on the block, you know, th- things like that, that, that you hear people say. But but I also refer back to, I mean, this is the importance of having local agents that really know your know your market. You know, the agents that you're working with, you know, trust their opinion. If they, if they know their market to tell you what, you know, what things are going to, you know what's going to be received well in the marketplace when so you bring your your house
2: to, to, to market. And if if we go with the the second point, I think we mentioned before, site so was pretty good. into the next point of um yeah, which and, and, uh, is just timeline, cost, and resale
0: of the property. Um, Those are your three pillars, really, of yeah. of a fix and flip, right, as, sure. as Christian calls them.
1: Yeah, no, no, no doubt. I mean, I think everybody, know, everybody knows this deep down inside, but uh, it, it's hard to manage all, all three, and I always say, you know, if you get two out of three of these right, you'll you're probably do okay. But, you know, I mean, just for everybody who doesn't know exactly what we're talking about, I mean, obviously, your timeline, right? The, the amount of time you own this property, I mean, the quicker that you can get in and out of this project is going to, you know, cut down on your carrying costs, whether it be through, you know, a hard money type loan or, or your taxes, insurance. Whatever the case may be, time is obviously money, as they say, uh, and your cost, you know, it is, you know, I mean, I would think most investors out there would say it's very easily to run, you know, run over your costs I and mean, keeping budgets in line uh, is the key to a lot of deals and then really understanding your resale value, right? You know, not sometimes and especially, you know, getting back to Anthony's point earlier on about, you know, appreciation being the savior on a lot of deals. You know, really knowing what your resale value is and not getting into a project where your costs run up and then you sit there and say, ah, you know, we could probably sell it for a little bit higher. Because if we do get into a market where appreciation is just not a guarantee, Mm -hmm. um, you really got to make sure. And and even, you know, again, in, in a market where, you know, you might come across some type of decline, you know, you'll still be safe keep your other things in
0: mind yeah if your realtor is telling you that this property you're going to look at is going to sell between 400 and 430 when it's all fixed up don't do the deal if it only works if you're going to get 430 sure right if it's that thin you have sure. to really and um we were talking about this a little bit yesterday as far as timeline costs and resale i feel like really new investors they focus too much on resale right they, they kind of do their homework and they try to figure out what the resale is Cost, they 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 generally get an idea, but they're not experienced enough to know that there are always cost overruns or there's always something that pops up. They don't have contingencies built into their budget. And timeline, I think, is something that newer investors don't even think about. They just think, you know, we're gonna we're gonna buy this and, and fix it and whenever we'll be done so quick and, and we're gonna sell it. Whereas the more seasoned guys, you know, they they have that time because listen, if you if you do the same flip and it takes you six months, and another guy does the same flip and takes him a year. You might have hit a home run and he might be struggling. And you know, all, all three of these are just as important as each other. You can't only focus on what your ARV is. You gotta have your costs in line and you have to have your timeline in line.
2: Yeah. And again, we
1: know this kind of goes without saying, like, you know, for experienced investors out there listening, but but still, I mean, sometimes you gotta take a take a step back and really, you know, analyze your timelines, your costs, and, and look at your last couple projects and, and really look at the start date, look at the date that you sold the property. And and you know, I think you might be surprised to see how long some of the, the projects you know, might be taking and then, you know, really just take a look and think about what you can do to improve upon that. I know, you know, myself, when we had multiple projects going on, you know, really, you know, coming up with a set, you know, set look for the property. And what I mean by that is, you know, whether it's, you know, going to very similar tile or granite or, you know, kind of know your materials that you're going to be using, even coordinating all those aspects of it. If you have a system in place, you know, it can maybe, you know, and again, cutting off, you know, a couple weeks here and there really really makes a difference
0: we should mention um, we work real hard on uh, making the calculator on the website so I think that's a great resource for people especially if you're newer Um, if you go to fefunding.com and click on calculator on the top uh, we have a fix and flip calculator that takes into account your holding costs your closing costs when you buy it your closing costs when you sell it Um, and it'll give you a pretty accurate idea you know assuming your assumptions are are correct that it's, it's gonna show you what what you're gonna do with that deal and it'll give you all the metrics in terms of return you know, your annualized return, equity multiple, all these different factors. So that could be a good resource for someone to check out. So the um, yeah, fefunding.com and then just click on calculator. And
2: whatever numbers and timelines you end up with, I would even say add another 10 to 20% of timeline that it's gonna take and 10 to 20% cost, um, it's gonna cost you. And if the numbers still work at that point, then you know, you probably have a pretty solid deal.
0: Yeah. I love when the borrowers send us the scope of work and there's a contingency built in, or you know, it doesn't, it looks like that the numbers are, you know, not super skinny to just to make the deal work and, sure. Sure. you know. Sure, It's well, well
1: thought out. And listen, we know it's hard out there because if you, if you flop up too much, you know, you might spook yourself out of doing doing a deal. But um, but at the same time, you know, you'd rather be selective and miss a deal than, you know what I mean, than try Get to in trouble too, too aggressive and kid yourself and then end up, you know, spending, you know, your next five months on a deal that's not really making any money.
0: And I'll just I'll toot our own horn for a second. Our our track record with borrowers is 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 very good. And if you bring us a deal and and we're going to lend on it, you know, you can bet it's a good deal. I mean, assuming you hold up your end of the bargain and do the project the way you're supposed to, um, you know, if you underwrite it and it, and it passes your sniff test, and then we underwrite it and we want to lend on it. You know, you should feel pretty comfortable that you have a good deal in your hands. And I've definitely had a couple of newer investors that have brought scenarios to me
2: and kind of poke, pulls them in, you know, the scenario in the office. And Corey will talk them out of the deal.
0: Yeah,
2: Sometimes and, if it's
0: if it's really a bad deal.
2: Yeah, and they, they get frustrated in the beginning, but they appreciate because I have a couple ours in particular that have done deals later and they found that deal. And now they're, you know, either selling it, they're still working on it. But you know, it's um I know it goes a long way if we can add that added value um, but I think we do a pretty good job at, at analyzing deals And sometimes it's for the better when
0: we kind of steer you away from these um, these deals that don't make sense and I just know from investing myself if you really want to you can talk yourself into any deal you can rationalize and that's why you just got you got to trust your numbers use the calculator and uh, you know talk to a loan officer if, if it's a good deal it's a good deal if it's not you can't make it one just because you want it to so um, you guys good on that on that number all right so we'll keep it moving. the fourth point um, expand to different property types and i think this is huge in today's market uh and i think i think borrowers are generally starting to kind of understand this and i i've seen it more lately where instead of just doing single family fix and flips we're getting a lot of borrowers who want to buy three and four unit properties fix them up and then refinance and keep them you know long-term holds and i think that's just a wonderful way to do it um i think you mitigate some risk doing it that way i think you can find better deals doing it that way and then obviously you have all the benefits of of rental real estate, you know, on the end instead, you know, maybe you don't get a big hit with a big check at the end, but now you have passive income for, you know, for perpetuity.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. And, and really just to, to elaborate further on what we're referring to here, when we say different property types is, you know, thinking about, um, you know, multifamily and by multi, we don't just mean two to four family, we mean maybe five plus units, um, you know, maybe an eight to 10 unit apartment complex. Uh, a mixed-use property, something where maybe there's a storefront underneath, and maybe there's a few units uh, above, and, and just in the more kind of tri-state area, you know, as we're, you know, making a little bit more focused in here at, at First Equity New Jersey, New York, kind of metropolitan area, and uh, we, we, see, you know, we see a lot of this, and we see a lot of these opportunities, and the real benefit, and again, whether it be to, to buy it, fix it, and flip it, or buy it, fix and hold. You know, when there's a bigger project like this and it's sitting vacant or a property has really high vacancy, a couple things happen. I mean, one, you know, and Anthony could could probably speak to this a little bit more, but the type of investors that want to buy these type of properties, they're looking for for cash flow. So they want properties that are fully occupied, rented, and they're getting that, that rent flow. So if you have a 10-unit apartment complex and let's say there's a 50% vacancy because the building's run down and maybe somebody's owned it for a while and they just haven't kept up on it, you know, there's a real opportunity for you to go in there, maybe renovate those units, raise the rent, and then that obviously is gonna, gonna help with the return on investment. But from a financing standpoint, if you have a mixed use or a multi-family you know, type unit, very hard to get financing traditional longer term financing from a more, you know a commercial bank if there are those high vacancies because what's really being looked at is yeah. you know what you'll hear people refer to as debt service coverage you know basically that property's ability to service its own debt you know most commercial banks on longer term loans want to see that that rent coming in is enough to cover the mortgage payment taxes insurance you know with a little bit left over um so when it's vacant you know it's 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 hard to finance so through some of our products, you know, we'll provide you with the financing to buy the property, renovate it. And then, like Anthony alluded to, it may be a great flip opportunity opportunity for you, but now that it's stabilized, you might be able to take out our hard money loan with a longer-term traditional loan at, at conventional rates and, and, and give you, you know, allow you to even pull yeah. a lot of your equity. I know Anthony has a personal story where he did something like this. And because of the value that he brought to the equation by you know renovating these units and everything was able to basically pull out all his equities so and now he had a property that's cash flowing and had very you know, very little, if any, cost basis in the oh, I,
0: Yeah, it was a 10 unit building and I have no cost basis in it and uh, my cash is now freed up to go on to the next deal. So that's a really powerful strategy and there's there's two problems really with apartments and multifamily, family uh, as I see it right now and that's it's such a great asset class, everybody wants to buy them. So if you're gonna go out and buy a stabilized 10 unit building, um, there's so much competition Cap rates are so tight, which means the prices are so expensive that the returns are are very slim. It's really hard to buy a property that way. But if you do find one, it's easy to finance. Now the, the other the other side of the coin is if you find something affordable, which you know there's some small problem with it, right? Like like you said, it's mismanaged. Um, there's some vacancy. Maybe it's in disrepair a little bit. That's great. You can buy it for a good price and then fix it up and get it to, you know, make it much more valuable. The problem is you can't get traditional financing on that. Typically, if it's less than 88, 90 percent occupied, a lot of conventional lenders won't won't lend on that. Sure. Especially if you're a newer a borrower, sure. or if they do, your debt service they're going to give you 50 LTV because that's what that's the debt that right. you like you said the right. property it's, can support. Yeah. Yep. And that's kind of where we come in. So, you know, you can buy these properties that they're called value-add deals, meaning, you know, you can add value by fixing some small problem, whether it's vacancy, repairs, whatever, um, and we'll finance you to do that. And we'll give you better leverage than a conventional lender will. And not only that, we'll give you the money to actually acquire it and and fix it up. And then once it's all fixed up and stabilized, then you can go out to, you know, your traditional lender, and we can help you with that too and, and get some permanent financing. And like we just said, you know, I refinanced something, took my entire basis out of it and now you're on to the next deal. So that's that's a really powerful strategy. Sure,
1: and your example, I mean, not to get into all the details, but, but how, how long was the time period from when you bought it to when you were able to kind of refinance into a traditional loan to be able to basically recoup all your funds?
0: Yeah, so thankfully, my, my building was in pretty good condition. It was just mismanaged a little bit, so there wasn't too much of you know, swing swinging the hammer that needed to be done, but uh, we closed in April, and then by... August, I think it was. Um, we had refinanced and totally pulled all our equity out of it. So for you know three or four months of work, wow. it's like I got a free apartment building. Yeah,
2: what about seasoning? You know, don't sure you have to season it?
0: Yeah, right. That's what everybody says. You got to season it. If 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 you look around hard enough and you're creative enough, you you know you can find banks who are going to work. Especially if you have a really great deal. And if you're buying something that's got a problem with it and you fix that problem. You do have a really great deal. And then listen, not if there's thirty-five community banks in New Jersey that that, you know, on the on the refinance, most of them are gonna say no, we want a year of C just like Corey said. But if you actually look around, you can find someone who will, who will refinance you so, out. So I
1: mean just to recap, so you say, I mean, literally in, in four or five months, you were able to you now have a ten unit, you know, ten unit complex with literally zero of your own money still in the
0: inner in Exactly. And it's better than that too, because yeah, we got cash everything. Too. Well, and I got cash out. I got cash out on top of having <laughs> no basis so. in it. And the building still services the debt very comfortably. So now not only do I have my money back, I have extra money on top of that, and now I'm going out to find the next deal and do the same thing all over again, but even on a little bit of a bigger scale. Sure. And so that's why these guys who use cash and don't don't want to use financing, it's like you're getting in your own way, right? You gotta use leverage a little bit in in a responsible way to make these deals happen. So yeah. um
1: yeah, no doubt. And I actually think that this is a good kind of segue um, into if you guys don't mind, uh, you know, kind of kind of moving along yeah. into the, the deal. sort. you know, the, the last thing that we wanted to talk about that we think is important, and this is just I, I think will ongoing always be the most important thing as a real estate investor is, is deal sourcing. You know, how do you find deals, finding off market deals, finding deals that aren't just, you know, on Zillow or on the MLS and, you know, to with the deal that we're just referring to on Anthony's multifamily is. That was a deal that Anthony sourced on his own as an off-market opportunity, um, and, and that's really where I, I think the hidden gems kind of lie. Um, so you know, we just wanted to talk a little bit about that. As everybody kind of knows, I mean, the the MLS is crowded. I mean, I can't tell you the last time that that I personally found a deal just by you know going on on the multi multiple listings. I mean, maybe you, you find something here or there if you're if you're you know thinking outside the box on your property type or, or whatever or we
0: tie it up within an hour of it coming online exactly. like, yeah but those gotta, are few it's, and far it, between
1: it's, it's hard so you know just to to switch to that um, you know there's definitely there, there's a variety of ways that, that we've seen investors uh, find opportunities um, through off-market deals Sheriff sale being being one of those ways you know utilizing the auction sites whether it's a hub zoo or, or, or an auction.com uh, type type platform and and we'll get into that a little bit. I know you know maybe there there's been some you know some some people may not have had the best experience if they're new to the auction sites. Um but but we consistently find and see our, our investors find opportunities there. And then you know there's also the old traditional way of just kind of pounding the pavement and knocking on doors. I mean Corey's
0: know. doing that right now. He's out there looking for deals and he Corey's an expert in his home market and he knows every building in that town. He knows what's being built, what's you know who's who's doing what and he's, he's making phone calls, he's researching owners, he's knocking on doors, trying to find deals like that. That's a great way to do it. It's, it's very time intensive, but um, that's a good way to get in front of all. It depends
2: on your strategy. I, mean, if you, if I think the best way probably be, kind of what you did, would be a blast, an email blast. I have the time to kind of take a couple of deals at a time because I'm not in a super big rush. I'm looking for a deal, but I'm trying to find the right one. Whereas if you're really aggressive about finding one yeah. tomorrow…
0: And, and you're and you're very specific in your own market. You know exactly where you want to buy. So you know, pounding the pavement is one good strategy to find deals, right? Um, just driving for dollars, as they call it.
1: Yeah, and I mean, just to touch upon it, because you know, again, I know we're doing this, um, you know, as a Facebook Live event. And by the way, I, we do see some, you know, some comments coming, uh, some questions coming up on the board here, but there is a little bit of a delay, so it's kind of hard for us to answer. So we'll do our best to maybe recap yeah. on some of these things uh, after the the fact, and then just to take a quick second, if anybody does have any follow-up questions. You definitely can can reach out to us either through the Facebook Messenger or through info at fefunding.com. And we'll be glad to kind of kind of help you as you're out there trying to, you know, source deals or get a better understanding of, of what we're talking about here. But yeah, I mean, you know, the pound of pavement. So, you know, to give an example, you know, Corey, he's interested in a particular neighborhood that 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 he feels he knows well and he feels that there's opportunity, you know, take some a situation like that. There's very easy ways for you to obtain you know, basically mailing address for a certain neighborhood or zip code or what have you and just being consistent, letting people know it might be a postcard, it might be a letter, you know, depending on how how creative you want to get uh, and basically just let people know that you are an investor and you're interested in, in you know, in buying in that neighborhood and, and you can offer, you can close quickly um, through whether, you know, be through financing like that first equity offers that you can buy properties as is. And you'd be surprised. I mean, look, you know, they're definitely a diamond in the rough, but they can, you can find them. And what is, you know, one person's treasure is another person's, I want the heck out of this property. I mean, Anthony, you know, your deal was a person who owned a 10 unit
0: for a really long time. He built it. He built it back in the 80s and he wanted to retire. And he was, price was on his list as as important things, but it was not number one. The most important thing for him was who's going to work with me and have an easy, you know, quick, no BS closing, and I delivered for him on that, and so he he accepted a price that I thought was fair. He thought was fair, and we got the deal closed. So there's another. If you're buying one of these deals, whether it's direct mail, which I think is is basically the one strategy we just mentioned, which is how I found that that ten unit sure. deal, yeah. or driving for dollars, like looking for rundown houses like Corey's doing now, um, or or multi units for that matter. That's another another option. But either way, the point is is that you know. As investors, we think in terms of price, what can I get this for? You have to put yourself in the shoes of the person selling you that property. They, they might need that cash because they, have, they, they need it for other things, right? They're, they need to move out of state, they, they, they have to put someone through college, whatever the case is, you know, a good, quick, easy deal is more important to them than top dollar, which is where, where those deals happen. So, um,
1: and, and on, on your deal in particular, I think, you know, that, uh, you know, if you're, if you're a owner of a multifamily and you have a lot of tenants, you may not want to throw that for sale sign up there, and you know, will spook the tenants. Say, yeah, yeah it, it spooks the, the tenants. tenants. Out. They don't know what's going on. They think they, they, they don't have done. to pay rent. They think. Yeah, the yeah, their mind starts <laughs> to go wild. So, so to just have an easy transition like that, I think is something uh, important. You know, I guess just specifically as it pertains to the uh, to the rental properties, but yeah, I mean, not being afraid to door knock, drop off a business card, have conversations with people. But the key is, it's really, it's just. It's being, being consistent. I mean, don't think you're going to do just one mailer and all of a sudden your phones are going to start ringing off the hook. But, you know, I've seen people do anything from, you know, Facebook boost ads. You know, years ago myself, I, I ran a series of, of pay-per-click ads. There were certain zip codes where I was doing a pay-per-click campaign.
0: Just a so We Buy Houses. I had a landing yeah.
1: page. And if, and if somebody was Googling, I want to sell my home fast, you know, my my website was the first thing to to, to show up. So, you know, just, again, getting creative, thinking outside the box, going you know, going to the, you know, the, the county public
0: records. Go to go to eviction court, they usually have posted outside the courtroom, everybody up for eviction, and you'll see who the landlords are. If you see the same name up there five times, they're dealing with five different evictions, they are probably a frustrated landlord, and they, they either want to sell their house or, or sell their rental, whatever the case is, that's a great person to reach out to. And there's just so many different lists you can get, whether it's uh, probate lists, um, you know, city violations for not keeping your lawn up, um, you know things like that, the the eviction court list, and once you get these lists, then you then you send them direct mail, or you go you visit them in person, you, you try to find their phone number. Um, so you know pounding the pavement, direct mail, um, there, and there's a million different lists we can do on that. And We'll do a whole episode, I think, at some point on on direct mail strategies or d- just deal sourcing just deal in general. Sourcing,
1: yeah, I mean, you could go on and on talking about it um, for for sure. I mean, and, there's, and everybody's got a little bit of a different strategy. Um, just wanted to touch upon the the sheriff sales.
0: Sheriff sales are,
1: are part of things too. You know, so. And that is, uh, I always tell people, I mean, sharp sales, is, that is big boy stuff. I mean, that is, you got to, you know, you got to be ready to, to make a move quickly. Uh, you got to be able to make a move, something sight on scene, something that you may have not even gotten access to the property. So it's definitely not for every investor. Uh, and there's, there's definitely some, some risk in doing it. But again, having a, a strategy, having a team, having somebody that is able to, Go drive the property while you're at the county, about to put in a bid in. I mean, honestly, I, I've seen people have teams of two, three, four people, all somebody doing desktop, desktop due diligence on that property while somebody's driving it, while somebody's at the county getting ready to put a put an offer in. So, and, and again, it's, it's a little bit of a complicated process, and I don't know if we really have time to get into the, the nuts and bolts of it. But, you know, I would recommend to anybody and everybody, just go to one. Go to an auction, you know, you could look it up, like to give an example, you know, we're located in Monmouth County, so Monmouth Ocean County, you just go to Monmouth County, you know, uh, you know the, the county website and you can see, you know, when they do it, what properties are about to come to yeah. market. And I would just say like, you, you're gonna meet a ton of investors there, and the interesting thing is, too, is you might go to a sheriff's auction. I mean, one, you'll just have great conversations with similar mind people who, and, and you'll find, I mean, some people are a little bit more close to the best and, and don't want to give away their secrets, but some people are, are more than willing to talk because maybe they're just there looking for a very specific thing. But you'll also find realtors, wholesalers, people that, that are there trying to source deals that can maybe help you. So maybe you're not ready to buy a share of sale, but you may find a, a wholesaler, a short-term investor, a real a realty company, we definitely know some of those where they'll go, they'll bid, they'll lock up the deal for you and then assign the contract to you. And, and, and some things can be done to make you, give you a little bit more of a comfort level.
2: Yeah, I was gonna go say, ahead. just be, um, and just, when you're looking for an area to invest in, I mean, the uh, experienced guys probably know this, but if, if you're kind of newer, be specific. And, and if you know you're specifically looking for Monmouth County, go to the sheriff's sale. Write down maybe the addresses, what they're selling for. You can research them later, even though you, you're not doing the project. You know, keep an eye on it. You know, and and know what things are selling for. Know what people are willing to bid up to. Know what the resale value is going to be. Just knowing your market. So being at sheriff's sales, kind of being just emerged in, you know, stuff yeah. being being sold. I I think is really important too.
0: If uh, if sheriff sales do interest you, you should reach out to us. And Corey does this better than anybody. Almost acts as like a consultant to borrowers who are thinking about sheriff sales from just explaining when is the sheriff sale, where is it, what do you expect when you get there, how does First Equity fit in? And just to be clear, we don't think we mentioned this, we do lend if you're buying properties at sheriff sale. There are a few caveats. It is a definite county by county thing. So definitely talk to us first. Don't just show up at show up a deal and say, hey, I put my deposit down. Can you fund this? Talk to us first, because there, there are a lot of nuances with this, but we can fund properties at sheriff sale. And in some cases, even if you can't get into the property. Yeah, yeah. It's all a case by case basis, but but Corey does the best of explaining that to his borrowers and kind of educating and coaching them through it. Maybe they've done a couple flips, but they've never done sheriff sale before. And we like to act as consultant in that in that regard because because we can help you get those deals funded. And that's a great way to buy deals that with, with huge margins in some cases
1: yeah no 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 doubt and again like you know what you're alluding to with, with corey's guidance is is understanding the process you know and whether it's you know getting aligning yourself with the right title company who knows to run the right chancery searches extra additional searches that need to be done to make sure that the foreclosure process was handled the right way you know th- things along along those lines and, and as anthony mentioned you know in case by case but for experienced investors who are buying at sheriff sale if you're not able to get into the property we will consider lending with just a drive by appraisal. And that, and that goes for, you know, not just sheriff sales, but if there's a legitimate reason where you are not able to get into the property, whether it be because of it being tenant occupied or things along those lines, we will still, um, you know, consider lending to, to investors who, who are, you know, just not able to get into these properties. And, and I think that that's, uh, I think that's something that's, that's really, really powerful.
0: All right. And then uh, Greg,
2: I was going to add from before when, when you're deal sor- deal sourcing and you're the payment looking for properties, when you do approach these owners um, and that's the beautiful thing about real estate, there's a life cycle to it. There's constantly owners looking to sell and new buyers looking to buy, but kind of approach them with the attitude of like, what can I, I do for you? Like it's find out what their need is, find out why they want to sell. Anthony, with your deal, like I said, they own it for a long time. They kind of just wanted to sell and he knew that going into it. So it's just good to know like what they're looking for so you can kind of fill that need and you know come up with a deal that's fair for
0: everybody. No, that's, that's, that's sure, a great yeah, point. No. And uh, I think uh, maybe just to wrap up deal sourcing, one of the last things that we see a lot is the auction sites.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the auction sites are are, are a great way. You know, again, I think there's some frustration out there because a lot of times, you know, people just may not know how to, how to manage it. Um, we happen to do a, a lot of um, we do certain events with auction.com where they will do basically like you know kind of first timer type events and, and letting people know how to manage the manage the the process, how to understand how to bid there'll be representatives from auction.com, you know, from the company there to help you kind of understand you yeah. know what it takes to kind of kind of <clears throat> bid on these properties. So again, I know we mentioned it earlier, but anybody who maybe jumped on a little bit, late here you know please you know hit us up on the on the facebook messenger hit us up at uh, info at fefunding.com if you want to get on our on our list we promise we don't you know spam you with uh, we don't spam but we don't you know send out too much information that's going to fill up your inbox but but we yeah. do try to you know send out certain content that we think is helpful and we'll let you know when we have some of these events we have an event coming up in South Jersey in February with auction.com um, where we're going to be doing a whole kind of showcase and teaching you how to buy a share of sale how to use the auction.com site and, and, and different ways to find find deals.
0: Yeah, and we'll definitely keep everybody apprised of the specific dates and times for that. I think it's February 18th, but we'll we'll send details in a in a later email. Um, I mean, actually, deal sourcing we can go on for hours. Those are just sure. like three or four different great ways to find deals. Um, so I think you want to we'll just leave it there with that.
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. And again, yeah, you know, just hit us up with any any particular questions that you. That you have but uh you know hopefully everybody out there found this this useful again we just you know to to our investors you know we want to just try to try to add value and and again just little things and tricks of the trade that we've learned along the way you know try to learn from maybe some of our our pain points where uh you could hopefully you know do a better job first time time out by knowing knowing some of these things and and again at any time you know we are really you know we're we're just a lender per se where that's our main focus but having seen a lot of these deals you know we're not telling you how to do your deal, but we, we do think that we're a nice second set of eyes for you to kind of help analyze a
0: deal. And we all have like real world experience, whether it's in flipping, multifamily, wholesaling, you know, we've done it all. So uh, we, we've done it ourselves. So it's not like we're just sitting behind a desk, but we're, we're, we've been in the trenches right where you are and um, that, I think it gives some credibility to that second set of eyes that, that you alluded to. Um, one thing we want to mention, anybody watching, if you're out there looking for deals, you need a pre-approval, if you need proof of funds, your realtors are asking you for that a lot of times. Um, we just started doing soft credit pulls, which we're really excited about because you know, we have borrowers who you know, we do five, six deals a year with, and we have to pull credit a few different times, and we're kind of, just now rolling out a way to, to kind of move away from that. So if you want to get pre-approval and get proof of funds from us, you can do it without any impact on your credit. So um, like Christian said, shoot us a message on the on, on the Facebook page or send us an email at info at FE FU funding. And, uh, and we can certainly help you um, with that. Um, you want to just answer some of these questions and then we'll uh, wrap it up?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, Dwayne Harden, I know you mentioned the zip codes. Yeah, we definitely uh, can get you zip code specific information. So as you're out there looking for deals, please definitely uh, you know, hit us up with, with that and, and we'll try to give you some some insight on that particular market and hopefully we'll help you kind of stay away from the soft markets and, and maybe bid up a little bit in markets where you see that there's really, that there's nice strong home appreciation, low days on market and your property fits in nicely with the median home price. Um, you know, you might be able to to put uh, more of a best foot forward on, on a deal like that. Um, you, know, you mentioned uh, buy and hold deals for five units, any areas we'd like to see buy and holds. Um, you know, I just off the top of my head, I mean, I I would say, you know, like Jersey City, for instance, is is a great market in in New Jersey, it might be a little bit, a little bit higher of a a barrier to entry in terms of prices that markets gotten gotten some legs behind it for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean. any, you know, basically any area that that is a stable market. You know, I mean, if you know, a lot of times these multifamilies are are, are usually going to be in more of a, you know, an urban or, or quasi-urban area. So you know, just making sure that you got your arms around that individual yeah. individual market, I, I would just say is something
0: that on. Yeah, I think generally speaking in central and north Jersey, there's not a lot of bad markets to own multifamily in. I would say you just generally don't want to be the nicest or the worst multifamily in your area, um, obviously anything close to transit, whether that's, you know, major roadways like the Turnpike or Parkway or train stations is obviously great. I personally, I think Newark is is ready to just explode. And so it already is. Um, but, you know, obviously there's dicey areas. So just make sure you're not a pioneer, the first one into a really tough neighborhood. But um, I think that that city is changing pretty quickly. So, you know, we're, we're very lucky in the sense that in the central and northern Jersey markets and even most of South Jersey for that matter, there's, you could you can make a lot of deals work in any of these areas, so long as you're buying right. Yeah, yeah, no
1: doubt.
0: Um, um, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, if you're having trouble
2: finding maybe deals in these big markets, maybe search surrounding towns that are, are nice towns. Maybe they're unknown towns, but you're gonna get the same tenant base um, if you plan on holding these properties, or the same buyers if you're flipping them. So uh, you don't have to focus on maybe you know, uh, let's take Middletown, Jersey, for example. There's a lot of little towns around it. Again, like Anthony said, there's not. Not all areas are created the same. There's definitely different zip codes, different um, areas that aren't the best. But, uh, you know, searching those surrounding towns because there might be pretty good deals and not a lot of people are going to be looking to buy in those towns because not maybe not thinking like that.
0: I mean, you show me any town in New Jersey and I'll show you a landlord on the multifamily side anyway that is making money somewhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so, okay Absolutely.
2: And yeah, and it
1: comes back to the deal sourcing thing. I mean, there's definitely. Public record lookups and ways to find just multifamilies where you can kind of you know just focus on going after those those investors in, in particular. Um Lillian, I see has a question here about you know what are our rates? You know our, our rates definitely there's definitely a range and you know the range I would say is you know typically nine percent on the low end up to twelve percent on the on the high end. Uh, these are interest only loans, no prepayment penalties. So you know if you get in and out of a project in a couple months, you're only paying us interest for those that short period of time what drives our rates combination of things i would say experience is a big thing for us repeat customers you know is definitely a, a big thing for us project size you know all those things we we kind of factor in uh, factor in together uh, with regards to our
0: rates. And just to be clear, that's on the fix and flip side. on, the fix and flip, yeah. on uh, if you have a stabilized property and you want to do a no doc rental loan, we're really happy to offer that as well, which is a really, really cool product. Um, you know, especially because conventional rental loans are like around six percent in some cases now, and our rates start, you know high six is really. Yeah. um so for for a no doc loan, so um, that that's on the rental side. So if you have something for that, um, yeah,
1: yeah, no doubt. Yeah, we definitely, and, and again, a lot of things to cover, and we'll probably talk about this specifically on a, on a future uh, Facebook Live or, or podcast. But yeah, we do have you know 30-year fixed rental loans where you can keep a property in the name of an LLC, and these are no-doc loans, so we're not analyzing your personal income on like a Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac type loan to see if you qualify. So there's a lot of flexibility there. Touch higher rates than, than your conforming Fannie and Freddie rates, but not by a lot and, and a lot more. Ease and ability for you to actually get the yeah. financing. I mean, my background is more in conventional lending, and it is, you know, I, I think there's probably about an eighty percent decline rate in investors applying for Fannie Mae type. Of I,
0: so I actually just, got a conventional loan on a four-family property, and I would never want to have to go through that property again with all the hoops I had to jump through and all the delays and, yeah. and BS. A, it was just it's, a lot, it's a tough. Lot,
1: a lot of red tape and, and not an easy thing to, uh, to to do for for sure.
0: Um, and the last question uh, from Jeff, what states do we lend in? We're in about 40 states around the country. Um, obviously, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut are, is our main focus, and Florida, too, to some extent. Um, but the entire East Coast, there's just a handful of states out west that we don't lend in. Um, so, you know, it's a, you know just if, if you have something out west, let us know. But anything, especially east of the Mississippi, the entire eastern seaboard we're lending in. So if you have something in those locations, feel free to run it by us.
1: All right, everybody. Let's wrap it up. Yeah, well, hopefully I uh, you found this uh, informative. Appreciate anybody who was uh, on this. Uh, take the time to listen. And as we mentioned, anybody, please just feel free to to follow up with us for any specific questions. We'd be glad to answer them for you. Again, at the messenger or at uh, FD funding uh, info at com.
0: Sounds good. Right. See you later.